Hey, it's your host, April. This show, The High Guide, talks about altered states of consciousness brought on by cannabis and psychedelics and is intended for audiences 21 and over. If you've been listening to the show for a while and you like what you hear, please leave us a rating, a review, or a heart wherever you listen to podcasts. And lastly, I'm not a medical professional. If you are experiencing any mental or physical health concerns, please seek a licensed medical professional. There are certain spirits that I've had connections to that are specific to the pantheon within Haitian spirituality. And so I'm curious to see what kind of symbolisms or messages might come up during this experience. Hey, I'm April Pride, your host on the High Guide podcast. This is the show for women who have an open and curious mind, and this is a show all about women changing their lives thanks to altered states. You just heard from Lalin St. Juice, one of our three sister trippers who are getting high with us this season on the high guide just for you. And have you, at any point in your life, have you asked yourself, dear God, is anyone there? On this episode, we explore the significance of our sister trippers' encounters with Haitian voodoo spirits and what meaning this holds when she's not under the influence of psilocybin mushrooms. As with every episode, we'll jump into the word of the week before listening to our high god Natasha Lannard perform Lalin's intake and post-trip integration sessions. And remember to stay to the almost end for our trip tips and remain after I sign off because we're going to end every episode this season with a 10-minute excerpt from one of the High Guide's very own guided psychedelic audio journeys, produced in partnership with Patchworks. All the sounds you'll hear throughout this episode are sampled from the High Guide's journey number four, facing the fucked years, meaning the years lost to the pandemic. And that's episode 30 of this podcast. Now for our word of the week, voodoo. Fundamental to voodoo, and yes, I know you're not supposed to use the word in a definition, but we're going to. (laughs) Fundamental to voodoo is that everything is spirit. And to serve the spirits is the purpose of humans who are spirits of the visible world. Voodoo prayer and ritual are intended to show devotion to God or a specific Iwa, which is a spirit of the non-visible world. Listen as our high guide Natasha completes Lalin, our sister trippers, intake. All right, and we're and we're taping. If you want to go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself, I think that would probably be a good start and then we can just kind of go from there. Sure. I'm Lalin Saint-Just, a singer, performer, producer based in the Bay Area and also more recently New York. I am fascinated by the world, by new experiences, and uh, also led by my ancestors. And that's about it. I I think that sums it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I was reading your bio and I was immediately drawn into the whole magic of it. I'm so excited to meet you. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know if you wordsmith that on your own, but I found the bio mesmerizing as the way they describe your voice. 
The description Natasha is referring to is this, quote, She dances as sounds slither in her mouth, end quote. I've seen Lalin perform live a couple of times, and it's impossible to take your eyes off of her. Which must be why the Haitian-American Lalin St. Juice is commonly described as mesmerizing and hypnotizing when she performs. Lalin shifts the atmosphere with her voice, inviting you into her cosmic underworld. These are not my words. These are on her website. Lalin St. Juice isn't one sound. Lalin is a range of experiences and emotions that are inviting you in. There is space for you and all that you feel in her offerings. She is more than a mood. She is both memory and future colliding in the present moment. These words, all of them, couldn't be more perfect for the intention Lalin set for her psychedelic journey with us. But first, Natasha wants to know what Lalin is planning for where she'll trip. What does your setup look like? Where are you going to be having your experience? Do you have any just basic questions? Well, my setup is basically, I mean, for me, I've always preferred being close to nature um, so I'm planning to look for a space probably in Guerneville, California, which is a place that has a lot of redwoods. Um, there's some Airbnbs that you can find that have a creek that you have access to, or maybe there's a big redwood right outside. So for me, that would be the number one priority is being able to touch ground with the earth and with trees and fresh air if possible <laughs> that that's a priority for me and so depending um when this all goes down that's that's my goal i'm guessing just because of where i'm at mentally and spiritually it will be you know things related to haitian culture um there's a lot of like beautiful singing and drumming that I could see elevating the experience. I love having altered. Listen to episode number 45 of this podcast titled Your Setting to learn more about creating an altar in preparation for communing with ancestors during a psychedelic journey. I'm in a very open space to connecting with my ancestors and really diving into the, the magic of my lineage the surrealness of it all, the spirituality of it all. I am in a place of seeking a certain amount of, of guidance in terms of my spiritual path. And so I'm curious to see if what kind of symbolisms or messages might come up during this experience that can help me further on this path that I'm on, you know? So like, as a, for example, like right now, I'm really examining my dreams and looking to see what's coming up in my dreams that can help deepen my connection um, in terms of my spiritual path as a Haitian woman. And this is all a part of me reclaiming my identity and reclaiming my culture because I'm a Haitian born in America. I'm Haitian American and grew up in a very religious Christian household. And so everything that I'm doing in this part of my life is reclamation. You know, it's, it's 
revolutionary in my family because it's not something that's done in my family. It's more so just about really understanding who we are and, and where I come from and the significance of it all. And so there are certain spirits that I've had connections to that are specific to the pantheon within Haitian spirituality, um, like Dambala um, and La Sirene. And so that's one thing I'm contemplating is, you know, can I open myself up even more so to hearing and feeling what these presences mean for me in my life? Our sister Tripper is looking to assign personal meaning to the stories of her Haitian heritage, specifically Haitian voodoo. And we learned at the top of the show that voodoo is about serving spirits. And you just heard Lalin say there are certain Iwa, or spirits, she feels particularly connected to, Dambala and Lazarin. In fact, it's not uncommon for followers of Haitian voodoo to develop short or long-term relationships with specific Iwa. Before we learn more about these specific Iwa, I want to share the interesting historical context I learned while researching this episode. Voodoo is practiced by West African societies, and when members of these communities were redistributed as a result of the slave trade, they brought voodoo with them. What makes Haitian voodoo so unique is that unlike similar Creole societies, Haitian voodoo has been preserved better thanks in large part to the slave uprising at the turn of the 19th century, known as the Haitian Revolution. It ended both slavery and colonial rule in Haiti. The development of Haiti as the first free post-slavery society meant Haitians were able to better preserve beliefs that were able to flourish without colonial suffocation. In Haitian voodoo, the spirits and other deities who are served are called Iwa. Each represent a different set of ideas, stories, needs, emotions, and identities. Lalin mentioned Lazarin and Dambala. Lazarin is depicted as a mermaid, and because the sea is the final resting place of so many, this mermaid spirit represents a link between this world of the dead, the ancestors, the spirits, and our world of the living, the present, and the physical. The other Iwa, Dambala, is one of the most important of all Iwa, having created all the waters on earth. Dambala is traditionally portrayed as a great white serpent. Dambala is said to be the sky father and the primordial creator of all life, and created the cosmos by using his 7,000 coils. 7,000 coils is also the name of Lalin's record label, with the mission that is, quote, rooted in the ritualistic sound alchemy of the African diaspora, ancestor-driven as we move relentlessly in the direction of our dreams. With her solo journey driven by the intention of communing with her ancestors, Lalin is living out this mission. You may recall from episode 44, titled Your Mindset, that I mentioned a lecture I attended a couple months ago now, I guess, on the history of psychedelics in Africa. It was hosted by Darren Springer, known as Darren LeBaron on Instagram. During his lecture, and as I noted in this previous episode, what struck me was the fact that many of the African religions, including voodoo, teach that while there is one supreme god, this deity is unreachable and does not interact directly with humans. Darren went on to explain psychedelics are a portal to commune with spirits of our ancestors who are closer to God, 
This is exactly the intention Lalin set forth for her psychedelic experience. In the following, Lalin explains that she's learning to use her voice to process grief. Lazarin, too, creates music to express emotions of her ancient soul, and this Iwa represents, among other things, expression. I think also what's coming up now in this moment is just some of the breakthroughs that I've had around silence, around using my voice, around healing certain traumas, and just letting that come out <laughs> in a bigger way. In a, I'm, I'm fascinated by all the bits, all the sides of what we experience, you know, as humans. And, you know, for me, I think especially the past few years, it's just been... I've learned to go there even more. I was always into it, but now it's like, okay, I have to lean in as much as possible. You know, this is what it means to be alive, is to feel these feelings, you know, and this is how we heal. Do you have any questions or? Well, based on, because I know you're you're going to kind of decide on what kind of dosage I should. Yeah, so I... I'm curious to know, given your experience level and that this will be your first solo experience, like, tell me a little bit about any apprehension, any lack of apprehension, like where, where are you at on that? Yeah. I mean, I didn't even realize that I hadn't done anything by myself, even though I, I, I've done shrooms a few times, quite a few times, but I don't tend to usually go beyond maybe two grams. Mm -hmm. And, and that usually I'm still very much um, in this realm. I, I, I don't know. There, I think there's still a certain amount of control that I feel, even though it's definitely still an experience, but I think the apprehension comes with going beyond that and just feeling like, Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm really out here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's something that I would say about that that is a unique feature that I learned when I started to journey, right? Like there's taking psychedelics of which I have been doing for a very long time. And then I started to journey. And when you take the sensory out, like you're not in a group, you're not talking, you're not trying to keep your shit together, right? When you're like Mm. out and about doing whatever it is in this instance, when you take that attention and you turn it inwards the dose becomes a lot more potent because all there is, is you. No distractions. Well, the other thing too about that is, you know, if you want to see what it takes, you know, what it looks like to keep your dose and increase the potency. Have you ever lemon teched before? In episode number 43, The Medicine, we review what a lemon tech is, how to make it, and the effect it has on potency. Go back and listen to this episode for more information on preparing psilocybin mushrooms for optimal support of your intention. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. I love nothing more than caring about people's experiences. I can't wait to hear about what opens up for you. And the one last thing I will say to you that I say to everyone that I work with is that, you know, in the realm of infinite possibilities, anything is possible. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That magic that you're talking about mm-hmm. is real. All right. Well, I hope you and the witness that you're cultivating have an amazing time dancing in the cosmic universe with your ancestors. It's going to be Thank you. awesome. <laughs>
Indeed it was. Welcome to the other side. Post-journey, post-trip, Natasha's integration session with Lalin has been fascinating to investigate due to the cultural specifics and significance of our sister tripper's Haitian identity. Have a listen, and I'll fill in with context along the way. I have been so excited to reconnect with you. One of the greatest things about integration is not only, you know, sharing what happened, but is around finding out what it means to you. That's really where the meaning is made. I'll do a brief recap of what happened and then I can share what it means to me. Um, You know, I really didn't have very much expectation in terms of, I mean, I had my intentions, but I I didn't Mm -hmm. know necessarily, obviously, how the night would you know, would go. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I, I was in Guerneville, which is surrounded by redwoods. um, Mm. And I set up an altar with flowers, um, a cup of water. And um, like I said, my intention was just to connect on a spiritual level to feel Um, to be open to any messages that my ancestors may have for me or to seek any guidance. Um, Also to feel whatever feelings could possibly come up. And so, yeah, I mean, once I, you know, I took the shrooms, I I did do the lemon tech. Um, Maybe not, I forgot the grinder. So there was... (laughs) Uh, I just tried to cut them up as small as I could. So I was a little nervous about that, um, figuring that, okay, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if it's going to be effective. There were like a few little stumbles along the way. I ended up like chewing, just eating them after I drank the juice because I just wasn't sure if I had, I don't know. I just wasn't sure. So um and then I forgot my ginger shoes, so I was just, you know, it was a bit of a discomfort in the beginning, you know, and I just allowed myself to rest, and I laid in bed, and, you know, I actually couldn't even really listen to music. I just laid in silence, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and just, like, laid there and, you know, kind of observed my thoughts um, coming in and out, and Next thing I know, I think over some time, that's when I could start to feel, you know, the effects coming on, um, noticing things that are, you know, beyond words, you know, in my, in my, behind my eyeballs, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> um, just like some images. I, I did get a sense of like feeling a little underwater, like in a good way. Um, yeah. and, and then, but because of also some of the bodily sensations, I just, um, I resorted to singing, um, which I probably would have done anyway, but um, that kind of helped me to feel better. So I would just sing and um, I sang acapella for a while and I sung about this healing and yeah, basically healing myself. Um, and I, there actually unexpectedly, there was a piano, like a keyboard, um, in the room. So 
I also just ended up playing around on the keyboard and singing, you know, interjected with lots of strange moans because it's just like the feelings of the waves, you know, just felt a lot, you know, for my body. Um, yeah. It wasn't even like a visually um, intense or anything. It's just, yeah, just intense in the body, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I could see the redwoods out my window. Um, and that was, that was just amazing feeling the energy. I, I went outside and saw a bajillion stars and cause it was totally mm. dark. And, um, and so it was just really beautiful. But the, the biggest thing that I got was, um, when I was starting the trip, I knew that I wanted to listen to, um, someone named So An, who is a Vodou a Haitian voodoo singer. And um, I didn't know what exactly. And I I happened to have Spotify on my computer. So I just opened Spotify. There was one album. And the first song was called Marasa, which is symbolizes twins um, in the Haitian pantheon mm-hmm. of, of the spirits, um, the loa. So my mom is a twin, and I have lots of twins on my maternal side. Mm-hmm. And so there's, um, it's believed that when you have twins in your family, that, that part of, part of the spirits that you serve are the, are the divine twins. Let's unfold this concept of the divine twins or the Marasa, who remain a central tenant in voodoo, particularly for those who are twins, triplets, or for those people in families with multiple births, like Lalin. Like the Iwa Lazarin, the Marasa represent truth and are associated with liaison between earth and heaven. Connecting with her mother's twin in this realm, made possible by psilocybin mushrooms, is exactly the intention Lalin set forth for this psychedelic experience, communing with her ancestors, like her mother's twin, an uncle who died in Haiti before Lalin was able to meet him. Lalin continues sharing with us about the significance of her mother's twin in life and in spirit. My mom had just been telling me a story of her um, dancing in Haiti, you know, throwing little events in her home and her twin brother would would um, play the drum and she would dance. And I just got this sense of being able to carry on artistic expression, yeah. even though my family hasn't been able to, my mom hasn't been able to, you know, just for survival, her twin brother, you know, wasn't able to, but, and, and then he passed away. And so just really getting a sense of, okay, this is also part of, you know, I, I know I got my voice from my maternal grandmother to express myself in that way, but I also have it from my, my uncle that has passed. And, and it, they also hold, you know, my mom would tell me stories of, when they were very, very young, that they would gather herbs and um, people would come to get healed by them because there's just a power that twins hold. And so I just felt the channeling of that healing energy. And I played this song probably a hundred times. I just had it on repeat, singing to the Marasa, you know, just really thinking about the blessings in my life and how 
and the healing in my life and how they've really been a part of that. The Marasa are renowned for their power as healers. They're also, as I stated earlier, liaisons between heaven and earth. And if Haitian voodoo is rooted in serving the spirits, Lalin's offering of her intention and her voice must have pleased the Marasa so much that they facilitated the connection with her uncle she so craved. It was a way to really connect with him. Um, Mm. I could feel a sense that I hadn't really felt before. All of a sudden, I could feel that he has been with me, that he has been helping support me. It was a very, it, was, it felt like a homecoming of, of sorts, just to be able to be in nature, to sing, to just think about my family, you know, in this way, and, and really connect with my uncle in a way that I haven't in the past. And that's what I fell asleep to. I had my speaker in my bed and just curled up up beside it (laughs) and and just listened to the magnificence of the drumming and the singing. After, I just felt really comforted, you know, really held. And and, I mean, and other, other things came up just around, you know, just taking care of myself and how to keep healing, um, how to keep fostering my communication with the earth. And I think feeling unwell, you know, made me, you know, think about just making sure that I'm taking good care of myself and eating right and doing all these things. But yeah, it just was, um, and, and also singing, you know, and just like, I actually haven't been singing as much, even though I'm running around doing a bunch of music stuff, but just to slow down and be able to sing and, and tap back into how it has healed me and what it does mean for me to to channel in that particular kind of way. Yeah, the the next morning I was just feeling like really really good, well rested. And then the Airbnb host offered me to he was just like, "Do you want to stay another night for on me?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and so I got to, you know, unwind or, you know, just process everything as I walked through the redwoods. You know, I went on a four mile walk and just communed and processed everything. And yeah, I'm just, you know, and so now I feel like, okay, I'm, I do want to continue to foster this relationship with the the divine twins Mm -hmm. and what, what that means for me spiritually and and then I decided to make a tattoo appointment. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna on Monday. I'm I'm gonna get a tattoo that's one plus one equals three, which um, mm. symbolizes the twins, uh, but also triplets. But like the beyondness of any sense of duality, just kind of ancient. Uh, it's hard for me to put into words in the moment, but it just, yeah, it just symbolizes that whole thing. We had talked before you went in for your experience. I feel like this is, it's just so beautiful to see when the ancestors, you know, meet us mm-hmm. and they show up and how incredible that you got to have an experience with your uncle in a way that maybe was unique and, you know, novel in that, in that moment. 
incredible. You know, the other spirit that came more present also for me um, is a spirit called Ezli Freda. Um, and she is associated with rivers. And um, I had gotten a reading many months ago and she came up in that reading. So I was by a creek. And um, so there was also a sense of communicating or having some type of exchange with her. And like, she was like popping up on, I don't know, there were just certain things about her that were just like popping up. And so I decided to um, leave a little offering at the creek. And then I got a rock (laughs) and some river water to add to my altar. And so, yeah, I, I definitely feel like being able to be close to water was also a big component because there's a lot of ways in which water has been coming up in my life um, as a conduit of, of change and, and symbolism. Well, I love that too, because, you know, from an elemental perspective, you know, water is the essence of feeling. And I just have a beautiful image of you being close to the river and close to your feelings. Lalin's journey touched on water from start to finish. Lazarin and Dambala, both of these Iwa, are connected to the element of water. Urzuli Freda is the Haitian African spirit often associated with water or fluidity. Lalin had the feeling of being underwater and her proximity to the creek. We'll explore the symbolism of water in our next episode when our final sister tripper integrates her psychedelic experience. Spoiler alert, Vikings at sea make an appearance. For this episode, Natasha wraps up this integration by circling back to address Lalin's physical discomfort. Is there anything from your experience that you don't feel as clear on or any like random questions that you have for me? The only thing that comes to mind is I do wonder if if the discomfort has to be a part of it. I know I forgot my ginger chews, <laughs> and maybe it is. Maybe it is a part of the process, and you know that's maybe just life that you can't fully have one thing without the other. But it's funny you say this. Actually, I had a very incredible experience with ayahuasca. And in my experience, you know, purging is a big part of the experience with, with Aya. And she told me the reason that there is the, the purge or no, or any physical discomfort, which I don't really find it uncomfortable as much as it's just like knowing what's coming, um, was that it served as a reminder of humanity that when we get into these very elevated altered states, that the physical discomfort is sometimes a reminder of just the basics of humanity. Mm. You have a body. That doesn't mean that it's not uncomfortable. Right. Right. You know, the other part too, that I've witnessed in my experiences, you know, holding space for other people is that sometimes the, the physical, physical discomfort is a sign or a symbol or a calling or an urge to move some energy. Mm-hmm. And mm. when you were kind of telling me a little bit about your experience, it was like, okay, you felt the discomfort. You moved your energy by getting up and singing at the keyboard. 
Yeah. And so sometimes it can be kind of this, you know, just kind of push, push to, to move the energy. And I think the other thing that I've also witnessed in my own experience and withholding space with others is that sometimes that physical discomfort can be incredibly powerful and a great way to see the way we relate to discomfort in our lives. Mm-hmm. Do we writhe in pain? Do we get up and move? Do we cry? Do we express? Do we sit in silence, right? Like what is our relationship mm-hmm. to discomfort? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how every single person in this life, part of this life is going to have some type of experience of discomfort and knowing how to navigate these experiences, which again are just hu- human experiences really does say a lot about how you would do that outside of an altered state. Like if if you're uncomfortable or you're feeling discomfort in your life, right? Like, are you, you were drawn to move. Mm -hmm. Some people freeze and they cannot move. And so it's just interesting to see the different relationship we have with that energy and the effect that it can have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so real. That's so real. You know, I I definitely had a moment where, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was like, well, yeah, I could just lay here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I, and I thought to myself, you know, well, maybe, maybe I do have more power than I, than I think that I do. Like maybe I can. And that's when I started singing about healing myself. And, you know, it's like I, I could either just stay and focus on how uncomfortable I feel or I can, you know, realize that I can move this energy and move my consciousness to another place of empowerment and my own ability. Lalin was able to heal her physical discomfort. And also something that came up in my research is that the Marasa, the divine twins we talked about earlier, manage people through the stomach. (laughs) So what are the Marasa trying to show Lalin? What is the spiritual meaning of stomach pain? Stomach pain is sometimes an indication that something is unresolved and unprocessed. Traditional Chinese medicine holds that through the stomach, we see the world and welcome it into our bodies. Psychologically, the stomach is the origin of feeling. It is responsible for the initial metabolism of mental, emotional material. The stomach is a channel where we begin to have an emotional response to our environment. It is the development of like and dislike. At the level of the stomach, we generate an emotional response based on pure feeling. When the stomach hurts, we are having trouble digesting an emotional experience. Addressing that emotion gets to the spiritual basis or meaning of stomach pain. Well, I am so happy to hear that and that you had a fulfilling experience. And, you know, thank you for bringing up the discomfort that you may have experienced because right away, people think that that's like, a bad thing. And the do it's not a bad thing. It just is, you know, and you really touched on it with the one plus one is three, right? Like get beyond your linear thinking and allow it to be a call to just express and move energy. And I just, I'm really, really glad (laughs) that you brought that up. So thank you for sharing. Yes, Lalin, thank you for sharing. And a big thanks to Natasha for so beautifully integrating Lalin's experience. For today's trip tips, I'm actually going to keep this simple. 
should you experience stomach pain during a psychedelic journey, questions to ask yourself during the integration process include, who am I? What are my values? What is important to me about my identity? Can I stand up for myself? Do I feel powerful and in control? What is my relationship to anxiety? Do I feel safe and secure in my life? Do I feel supported by others? Do I know who I am regardless of what other people think? Thank you for listening to this episode of The High Guide. I'm your host, April Pride. Please tune in next week when we integrate our final sister tripper. And check out our website, thehigh.guide, for more information on The High Guide and for this week's show notes. Remember to please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a heart on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help more people find the show. And I leave you with a 10-minute sample from The High Guide's Psyched Audio Series. You're listening to Psychedelic Audio Journey number four, Facing the Fucked Years, episode 30 of this podcast, produced in partnership with Patchworks. See you on the other side.